And spring is definitely in the air and you can feel it in the air everywhere we look at the moment. The sun is shining and everything else and you're very welcome to this week's edition of The Clash Act and I'm delighted to be joined on the line right now by Carlo, Senior Hurling Goalkeeper Brian Tracy. Brian, good evening. Eddie, how are you? How's it going? Uh, very good, thanks. And yourself? Ah, not too bad now, not too bad for a Friday evening, sure. No, it's, 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 it's lovely, I suppose. The, the weather is in the air and, and everything is going well at the moment. Um, just just with the lockdown at the moment, Brian, I suppose when you're you're looking out at evenings like this evening and you can see grass getting cut around the place and, you know, that nice smell in the air, um, you must be missing the, the opportunities to go into the hurling field and start training. Yeah, look, it is. It's I suppose the last the last few the last few evenings have been have been spectacular, you know. It's you you'd think that uh it'd be fantastic to be in the hurling field with a group of lads uh you know, training away, getting getting ready for, for league or, or championship or whatever it would be this time of year um, but uh, unfortunately that is not the situation at the present time but look it seems to be going the right direction and hopefully we'll be back on the field in no end and for yourself personally and, and the lads like have I know you've you know there's been big changes in Carlo there with uh, Tom Mullally appointed as your your new uh, senior hurling manager there um, like have had you had, had you an opportunity to meet Tom uh, before the lockdown or, or how is it working no, we haven't. Like, I suppose we haven't got a chance to to meet Tom at all. Um, I suppose it's only been really, uh, you know, kind of one to ones or a kind of a group kind of a setup we've been given. You know, everybody's been given uh, work to do and try to be in some sort of uh, decent or uh, have a good base. Um, you know, as regards um, fitness or what you can do. Like everybody is struggling. I suppose not everybody has gym equipment at home or anything like that. So you kind of have to get creative. Um, but like we haven't got a, we haven't had a chance. Unfortunately, it's not the most ideal situation with with new management and that coming in. But look, it's it is it is what it is, and, and we'll have to get on with it. Uh, just just on that with with training programs individually, like timing. Now I, I know there was nothing anyone could do about this. Colin Bonner had, had, had relinquished his position and moved on, and you know the appointment to Tom Mullally is an exciting appointment. There, there's no question or doubt about it. He, he comes with a great pedigree, but. The lack of knowledge that Tom would have, I know obviously he would have some knowledge of your your, your players uh, with his role there last year with Mount Leinster Rangers and that, but how how does it work with that management team with not knowing the players, you know what I mean, not knowing you well, what you need to be working on, like is there is there a kind of a, a group that was there last year still involved or, or how's that working? Well look, it's not, it's no, it's far from ideal, I suppose <laughs> we really, you know, we're, we're kind of other other county teams are very are extremely lucky if they have you know the same management as last year. Um, you know um, the management team and their their backroom team kind of know their know their um, know their know their players know the county setup know know what to have to offer um, and know what they can work with. Um, it's like it's it's extremely hard on on both sides of the coin there for for the management for Tom and and for the players. Um, you know, we've been lucky, like you said, Eddie, we've been lucky enough that Tom, you know, was involved with Mount Range a couple of years ago. He has an idea of the Carlo game. He's only over the, the border. But at the same time, it's it's far from a, an ideal situation. Yeah, and like like even leading on from that, um, there's there's huge uncertainty. And I know it's the same for, for every county. Like, we still don't know for definite if it's going to be county first or, or club first we still don't know if it's going to be a national league campaign or if it's going to be straight into championship um, from your own perspective psychologically what what are you building yourself up for at the moment are you building yourself up for uh, 
straight into knockout championship hurling or are you building yourself up do, do you know what I mean your, your, your own fitness levels you, you want to time these things right um, right now in your own head Brian what are you focusing towards uh, I suppose it's it's extremely hard Eddie like it's I suppose like like every county player across the country at the present time nobody knows the, the, the answers to those questions that you've you've posed there and it's not easy it's 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 far from easy um what what we're uh, being asked to do but I suppose the main focus is just to you know kind of get a good baseline in um you know individually of fitness and you know kind of just do what you can um on your own you know it is a team sport a team sport that we play in um and it's you know it's far from far from ideal of course we'd love to be out in the field training but at the present time it's just about maintaining your own focus and kind of kind of just keeping your own keeping yourself motivated and um, going from week to week really and just just kind of bringing us back to to where it began with yourself you know you've you've been playing hurling all your life um you, you know you're very well regarded as a as a top class hurler in, in your own county and in the whole country as well you I mean you're you're you're, you're renowned uh, for your exploits in the goal for carlo but when it started out at home with the club was it was a duel for brian were you playing football and and hurling or were you focused more on the hurling or you know looking back to when under 10s 12s 14s what way did it start out for you no, very much so. Like uh, up until up until last year, last year was really the first year I didn't play football. Um, I suppose I, like I, I love playing football. It was a brilliant like you know we by no means we were underage. Navon had a you know at my at my age level a couple of years above me and a couple of years below me. We were we were very prominent football in Carlo. Um, you know we won the only I have you know my age two thousand and ten. We got to the minor A football final, and we're the only cl- team within the club that has a minor A football medal, um, which is a phenomenal achievement. Believe it or not, like for a, for a hurling predominantly hurling club, I've no minor hurling medal, but I have a minor A football medal. And just just like when you say that about Navon, like it's it's Navon would be famous for for hurling, you know. Um, obviously, just before your time, you were probably unlucky in the sense that you were probably born about. 15 years too late uh, there was yeah. there was an you know there was an exceptional time I remember you know you just wondered who was Navon going to be playing in the final you, like you really from about 1985 to 95 there was that 10-12 year period that Navon were just they were next to unbeatable um, is, is that something every time you go into the field that you're reminded of yeah, look, it does come up. Look, there's no getting away from it. Like back in the back in the eighties and nineties, like Navon, and even even the early nineties, even up like you know we were, you know our, our last county title in two thousand and five, um, and we previously won one in two thousand three as well. But um, those were our last kind of two. But like in the eighties and nineties, Navon were you know they had such a, a good crop of players that time. Paddy Quirks, um, you know John Harris, you had your John John Byrne. Like I say. You talk about me being fit, born fifteen years uh, too too late. Um, I'd say if you're if I was, I would have had a lot of uh, a lot of headaches with the likes of John Byrne in the goal and and Edmund Sproon as well, who was around there, um, that time. You know, in in the nineties and, and in the early nineties, um, you know, I would have would have had plenty of headaches that time. But the club itself, if like when I look at Carlo Hurling, it's one of the things. For some reason, it, it, it tends to happen in Carlow. It happens in some counties. There's other counties that never happens in the likes of Wexford. Like I know Owlert the Ballock dominated Wexford Hurling for a good period of years. When you look at Carlow right now, you could say Mount, Mount Leinster Rangers really, you know, in the last 
10 or 12 years have you know they've been to the fore all the time but but in the, in that period when you would have started playing at under 10s 12s 14s you know Navon were one of the strongest forces in in, in Carlo hurling um like is it, is it a population thing or, or is it just, you know, getting it at the right time, if you get me a right crop of players coming together at the right time for the right parish? Yeah, it is. Like, I suppose it's it's a mixture of both, really, Eddie. Um, like, I suppose when we were growing up, like in 05, I remember, like, Neon from right through juvenile, I was under 12 and, you know, I was, I was on, yeah, I was 12 when in 05 and we won the under 12 and I think we won, we went through that year um, where we won nearly every A Harland title um, underage and right up onto senior and um, we won I think we won the could have won the intermediate and the, and the junior as well I think the only thing the only year we lost out was um, under 21 to Nave Breed that year um, but ever since then really it's kind of it's kind of been slim pickings unfortunately um, maybe it was a bad omen or something to do so well in one year but it's it's been tough going since yeah, and like for you yourself in your own personal career, you were you were, you know you were involved with Carlo at minor level. You were you know you were involved with Carlo um, from from quite a young age. But just chatting to you before we started talking live on this, you made your debut for the Carlo Senior Hurling team before you made your debut for the Navon Senior Hurling team. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's just it's what it's just so happened. Whatever way it ha- it, it it lied. Um, like I was only after turning out, I was only after coming out of minors. I'm a last year minor, and I got asked into the, I got asked into the senior county setup by by uh, Kevin Ryan um, back in 2012, and uh, I was in it there that year. And he asked me back then in in uh, sorry not 2012, 2013, and uh, whatever. Just so how however it happened, we had qualified for the league final in 2012 against Westmead or 2013, excuse me, and. Um, we had our last game against Wicklow, and he, in fairness to Kevin, he rested. He rested all the players and gave and gave a good few players their debut that day. Um, we ended up, I think, drawing that day one ten a piece in Wicklow up in Ockram on a on a dirty wet day. Um, but yeah, I was. It's it's uh, it's not too often it happens, but uh, yeah, I, I made my my. Uh, Intercounty debut before I made my senior club debut, and just 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 on that, like the, the first day you would have played against Wicklow um, in Harland, like did you did. Was it an instant, like I see it and I know this is a, it's a kind of a strange question, but I see really good minor players uh, in, in our own club um, in, in Skjok Faustine. I see, I see minor players coming up and stepping up into the adult grade and it can be a little bit of a shock to the system. I can only imagine the, the, the shock to the system it must have been for yourself um, stepping up from, from minor club hurling to senior county hurling. Like, the, the, did, you, did you feel kind of intimidated by it number one and number two was was the speed of the game a lot faster than than, than anything you'd you'd seen before ah yeah look that day I don't I don't remember an awful amount about that day but I just do I remember the, the nerves driving up on the bus um, it wasn't a great road up it didn't really help matters going from Carlo to Ockram um, up through Hackettstown and Ratfilly but uh, that day that particular day um yeah, like it was. It was very nerve wracking um, because you know, like for every for every young player, you know, it's it's brilliant to play for your for your come up through development squads and play minor and under twenty one for your for your county. But to get your to get your senior debut at at such a young age was um, you know it was nerve wracking. But it was uh, you know after the game um, and you look back at it, you know it wasn't the speed of it. Uh, 
I don't really remember the speed of it, the, the game, but it's definitely a step up in in uh, intensity as well, um, which was massive. But you know, kind of how how uh, intense the games get and and uh, the opposition as well. Like that time, you know, Wicklow, we we weren't, you know, I suppose in the last few years we kind of pulled away from Wicklow, but um, that time, you know, Wicklow were very much of a, you know, we on a par really. We're hard bet, like you know, and. Like any day, any day, go play Wicklow. They are hard bet because they're a very dogged team. But that time, they were, you know, they had good players like Andy O'Brien, even Christy Morehouse, who's still playing with them. You know, received an All Star there only a couple of weeks ago. And if 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 you just kind of moving on a little bit in your career, like Colin Bonner came in and took over Carlo in. Correct me if I'm wrong now, but I he came over in 2016 is when Colin uh, took the reins at Carlo. 2017, 18, 2017. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. So I came in in the winter of 2016, 2017, started the league for 2017. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like, there was an almost instant um, improvement in Carlo Hurling in, in, in Column's first year. I mean, like, in, in his first season, you, 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 I think he went defeated in Division 2A in the league. Um, you were beaten in the final by Antrim in the end. Um, and in. I'm pretty sure that I'm right in saying that 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 was the case. And then you went on to win the Christie Ring Cup. Um, you beat Antrim in the final of the Christie Ring Cup. That's correct, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you're you're spot on. You're your homework well done. In fairness, yeah, <laughs> no, no. But the question I'd ask you is, like, was it was Colm? Was he damn? Did he make that much of a difference straight away? Or like, do you remember the change from the manager previous to Colm into Colm? Yeah, I suppose is we had we hadn't a few like uh like the, the years leading up before we um Colin came in weren't weren't the greatest years. We hadn't we didn't have a good run of things um uh within the county. And I suppose the one like Colin came in and the one like he, he brought in a management team with him and kind of changed the, the atmosphere within within Carlo Harlan that time and I suppose everybody bought into it. Um, I suppose Colm, uh, you probably know Colm, but Colm, he's he's extremely well um, experienced in terms of his, you know, what he's what he's done beforehand. His CV is second to none, but um, I suppose he brought that extra aspect and players bought into it. And that was the big thing that time, you know. And the players are, are, ourselves, we knew there was a core of us there and it's still there. And we knew that time that Carlo Harlan was kind of, you know, we needed to, it was at a crossroads and we needed to either, you know, it was either going one way or the other. And, you know, in fairness to the whole group and the management team that came in 2017, we grabbed it by the scruff of the neck and, and we drove it the right direction, thankfully. And just just with that, like, you know, it, because it's it's something I, 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 I'm passionate about and I talk about, you know, the Camogie players, I talk about the ladies footballers as well. And, and sometimes it can be forgotten the commitment and effort that is put in by every single person in this ca- country pulling on a county jersey for their team, regardless of we all hear about the, the the Limerick team this year and all the great lads. But when you're in the muck and dirt in December, there's no one winning all Ireland's. You know, you know, all Ireland titles are are built back then in December. The workload the column would have brought in, the training regime he would have brought in for you guys, was the was that stepped up as well? Was it was it just? Was it the intensity, or was it was it everything that was brought up a level? Um, I suppose it was probably a mixture of two things. I suppose Colin brought an extra level to it in terms of his coaching and his experience. Um, and then from like 
you know, it's all well and good. A management team can bring in the best, you know, the best, whatever they want, bring in the best coaches they want, but you have to have the players willing to do it as well, Eddie. And that time, I suppose the players really bought into what he was doing and, and committed to it. And, you know, we did. Um, that's what that's exactly what we did. We kind of, you know, we kind of just said, right, we're going to do exactly what he asked and um, what the management team put to us and we'll respond to it as best as we can. And it kind of just took off from there. And then kind of pushing along with that, you know, Colm has come in, his new management team has come in. Results have started to improve. Players have started to buy into it. Everyone's working in, in, in the correct direction. You're moving along. And that carries on into 2018. Um you beat Westmead that year in, in 2018 and got promoted up to Division 1B, um, you know, in, in in the hurling. Like, there must have been such a buzz around the camp to see the progression over a couple of years very quickly that the effort that you're putting in and the rewards you're getting for it. Yeah, like it was. It was fantastic, I suppose. Like, we were we were, we were were good at go back. Like, if you go back to 2017 and, the, the, like, we went, to, we went to league unbeaten and we were... We were absolutely good at that day. We lost to Antrim up in Newry on a on a, an awful wet day, um, you know. And but I suppose in the hindsight, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to us because that day, I suppose Antrim Antrim came to win a match, but we came to play hurling. And you know, I suppose it was the one thing that kind of stood out to us. Um, you know. That year in 2017, when we got, when we got a revenge, um, we learned an awful lot that day. You know, we were kind of coming up to play hurling, and but we we didn't come up to you know we came up to win a match, but we came to win it by hurling. Whereas Antrim came to win, um, you know, no matter what it took, and they they went to the trenches, and we well, we learned an awful lot that day. And I suppose we got we got a revenge in the Chris Ring final, and like you said, it, it steamrolled into into 2018, but it was you know. It's very easy when you're on the high horse and you're you're seeing the results to even push on again, um, and and keep and keep to keep it keep the the bus to keep the wheels rolling like you know. It's it's an interesting point that you make that that Antrim came to win a match and you came to play hurling. Would it be fair to say that you, you learnt about showing your teeth in these games by by losing a game like that? Because, like I have to say, there was no one in in, in anyone that knew anything about hurling. Would have heavily fancied you that day to beat Antrim. You were you were playing fantastic stuff and you were flying, um, and I don't mean this disrespectfully to you, but were was it a case that Antrim were willing to do whatever it took to win a match, even bully, do whatever had to be done? They're not losing, and maybe your lads were, and I don't mean this mean like maybe you were just a, a yeah. little bit too nice, um, that that you were there to play hurling yeah, and well, be genuine. Look, as the saying as the saying goes, like you'll you'll always learn more when you lose than when you win. And you know that was that was a huge learning day for for that group of t- that that group of players, um, that panel, and that management team. You know, we learned an awful lot of, about ourselves that day. And then in the in the final against Atrum in in twenty seventeen, um, like the scoreline, it tells a story in itself. It was a it was a very open game. Um, like five twenty three to four fifteen was the the final score. Like I mean, you, you kind of you did play very very well on the day, but. Just, just in that game, was it referring back to Nori on a regular basis in the build-up to the match, and 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 to focus all your minds to say that, you know, we're leaving nothing behind us today. Yeah, well, look, I suppose like we'd learned a lot, like you said, from that day, and you know, we went we went to Cup Park, and we kind of just said, look, we we knew the weather, we had like our our, our 
the faster ground would have suited our players, our, our team would be better, our forwards, and we just played to our advantages. And like you said, we learned an awful lot from that la- from the last day, from that uh, that day in Newry. Um, but you know, yeah, it was it was a massive learning curve, and 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 it stood to us. It's still like it it still stands here. Like you never forget it. You know, as a player, you know, no matter whether you're only involved that year or you're still involved, but you'll always bring that. Even even you bring it back to your, you know, you'll bring it back to any game you play. You'll do. It's not just hurling. It's it's everything. You bring every aspect to the game. And and 2019, you know, you you lit up. For me, you lit up the hurling championship. You look back at some of these games. Uh, the two games I'm going to highlight and. I don't even need to tell you what two games I'm going to highlight. You know what two games I'm going to highlight. Um, the draw with Galway, um, first of all, in, in 2019. Uh, Casey Law were covering the game live. I was here in the studio when it was on. Um, I, I actually, I just feel that was one that got away. The drawing game. Yeah. I, I think you should have won quite, that game. Quite possibly, yeah. Ah, look, it was, you know, those were... You know that day, that day was it was a special day, um, and you know I, I probably have a terrible memory on me because I don't remember an awful amount about games when I do be playing them. <laughs> and, you know to, to look back on them, but I can all, I can just remember um, you know the the intensity, like you talk about the intensity of, of going back to 20, 2013 my debut, but the intensity when we got to Division One in twenty nineteen was was incredible, and you know to bring Galway your back garden and to get a draw with them was it was a special like it was and it in hindsight in hindsight look the draw was brilliant but like you said we probably did miss a trick that day um, not to get the winner unfortunately yeah but like I don't think it can be understated um, <coughs> to say that like Galway who were one of the favourites to win the All-Ireland come down to play Carlo who were probably I'd say at, at a bookies price about 50 to 1 to win that game and 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 for me personally in the studio here, like I was just gutted at the at the end of the match. Now when I was driving home in the car, I was thinking to myself, "Wow, what a result for Carlo!" But in the instant that it finished, I kind of thought, "Oh, damn!" You know, there were there were there were inches that, like you know, I know it's you look back on a game and you can say about a missed free or a missed incident in in a match. You know, everyone is unlucky at some stage in a game. But like to me, I think that was the day that that group of players buried themselves onto the map in, in, in Hurling and said, you know, we're here now and we need to be respected. Like, we're not going to be steamrolled anymore. Like, it was, it must have been just, even training the following week after that, there must have been some atmosphere within your own camp. Ah, there was. Look, it was, you know, we were, you know, as players and, you know, you know yourself, like any player that goes out, you expect to win every game you play. And it wasn't any different that day. Okay, it was Galway favourites for the All-Ireland in 2019. Um, but like we weren't, we didn't treat it like any other game. We went out and, you know, you could have stood off him and, you know, say, oh, wow, it's Galway. But in fairness, we had a cut that day and, you know, we, you can say we reaped one reward out of it by getting a draw. But we were like, we were, we were disappointed going back in when we thought about it after, you know, it was a brilliant result, but we were disappointed we didn't get the win, really. And then, but you- it, 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 we, you know, it was, it was a special, special day for Carlo Harlan. And then, like the the leash game as well, um, another another drawing game. I know, you know, you could say, look, they were unlucky. They they drew two games in in, in that, but the leash were leash were on an upward curve, a very strong upward curve for a long time before that, and would have been expected as well to um, 
to beat Carlo um, and again you know you, you know you, you put it up the leash and, and, and you gave them a proper rattle as well and, and again I would say you were quite unlucky as well not to win it yeah we were like that that day was um, that was a strange day we were we were down we were up we were down it was kind of a it really was kind of you know give and take and I suppose walking off the field you were you were, you were you know, you were giving out that you that you drew it, but you know, it was it was one of those games where you could have so easily have won it, but you could have so easily have lost it as well. Um, it was it was just a a, a it was a crazy game, and you know, because because both you know ourselves and Leash were really, I suppose were were kind of just really looking for to get the win and really didn't want to lose at the same time. You know, kind of just trying to get ourselves out of that relegation battle and I suppose I kind of you know both teams were very cautious but in, like it was at the end of the day it was a draw and it was probably the fairest result on the day uh, Yeah I, I I would agree with it and, and when you take like you won't appreciate it now because you're still in the midst of your own career but when you look back and I hope that's not going to be the highlight of your hurling career I hope there's far more highlights to come and I'm sure you do as well but you know the reality of what you achieved in that season you know when you're 45 years of age and you're retired and you're sitting down having a pint and looking back on it you will see you know how 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 really big an achievement it was but kind of moving on from 2019 into 2020 um, you know like everybody had started to look at Carlo uh, across the, the board football and hurling the whole Carlo rising thing was Everywhere I looked, I could see this uh, Carlo rising. Um, you know, it was it was in fairness yeah. to Carlo G. Yeah, they, they did push it. I know a couple of years ago, Kilkenny were going down to Carlo, and the Carlo rising regime was starting. And I can honestly tell you, um, there was a lot of nervous people walking around Kilkenny because we were uh, starting to get very worried that this Carlo rising uh, thing was about to blow up, and uh, we were all goosed, and no one would be able to travel as far as Boris or, or Bagnus down or never again. But uh, but twenty twenty. You got to the boiling point, and and for me, like, did it did it go over the top, or or what happened? Because, or is it the COVID, or is it a combination of like like genuinely? I felt last year was a was a kind of a flat year for yourselves. Yeah, I look, it was a, like last year was kind of, you know, I suppose it was a mixture of everything, Eddie. Um, you know, between, I suppose we had changing backroom staff, and um, I suppose we had we were missing a couple of players through injury and we hadn't got kind of the same momentum um, and like you said I suppose it was a that was probably the best way to put it was it was a flat year um, for us and I suppose it, we didn't you know it was it was hard to pick ourselves up again um, but so it's kind of it's kind of hard to hard to look look back at it and kind of put a summary on it because it's just with everything going on with with COVID and everything, it was such a stop start year. You know, we were back playing, we weren't back playing, and then you know when we did get back playing, it was you had such a little run into to championship to get ready, and you know it was on you all of a sudden, and it was it was intense then game after game after game. Um, you know, in, in the Joe McDonough late in, in, towards the towards the latter end of of twenty twenty, and and it's just like. <sighs> The condensed season, when when the season is condensed really tight the way it was this year, it's 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 the big panels, it's the big squads that that are at a massive advantage, and it's it's something I often wonder about Carlo. 
a condensed season, would you think, uh, would, like, and I don't want to be unfair to Carlo, but does it put you at a massive disadvantage that, you know, if you look at somebody like Limerick, they probably have an extended panel of about 60 players. Um, and, you know, I know Kilkenny in their prime would have had the panel of 30 and an extended panel of another 15 or 20. Um, they're, you know, all probably just on the cusp of being strong enough to be a senior, you know, to be on the senior county team. But for yourselves in Carlo, when you've, a small pool to select from and when I say a small pool you have a small number of clubs does it put you at a massive disadvantage when you're facing up the counties that have a huge number of clubs? Uh, look it it does like I suppose it's not it's definitely not an advantage anyway like it is it's it's an, it's definitely like you know whether it's a disadvantage like you know I suppose we haven't you know I suppose when you say well, like we have five senior five senior hurling clubs within Carlo um, if you were to stick within those five senior hurling clubs you know say if if all of those have 25 of a panel, all those clubs, that's 125 players you have to pick from your county panel, for your county panel. Whereas if you go down to Kilkenny, they have, straight away, they have 12 senior hurling clubs. If they have 25, that's 300, almost 300 players to pick from. Yeah, and like, like, and this, this is the point that I'm saying to you, like, if you take Kilkenny this year, they would have had 12 senior hurling clubs and as you said you know 12 you know allowing for the 12 15s or even 12 20s they're allowing 300 players but even the intermediate section in Kilkenny like Kilkenny and I know they didn't win the All-Ireland this year but you know they won a junior and intermediate and senior club All-Ireland title so yeah like you're you're talking about a huge pool of players and, and, and I think that it can be understated sometimes that like with five senior club teams in Carlow you know, in order for the Carlo senior hurling team, like I, I believe this year is going to be a very good year for you. That you know, with a new management team coming in, things will freshen up, and that's no disrespect to Colin Bonner and no disrespect to work he's done, but things sometimes just need to be freshened up and get everybody going again and a new zump of life. But I, I, I honestly think that in Carlo we need more clubs. We need more. Um, we need more involvement in in hurling. I think it's 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 very hard to 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 work at the the senior hurling level in Leinster and, and in the All Ireland Championship with such a small few senior hurling clubs. Yeah, look, it's not. It is. It's far from ideal. I suppose. Like if I suppose go back. If you go back to maybe go back to the mid noughties there, like you had Carlo had seven senior hurling clubs, which was you know would have been you would have added. You know, you have your five that's there now, and then you would have added Nave Breed and Carlo Town, um, Harland Club, Harland Club to it as well, um, and I suppose they've they've dropped off in the last few years to to intermediate. They've dropped down a level, and but like, in fairness to the work, the work that's going on in Carlo at 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 uh, at the development at the developments level for underage, um, the underage structure, and even at 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 the scene at at the at the senior. Um, age as well within clubs um, and from the county board's perspective it's it's fantastic like they really are putting in a massive massive effort and you can see it and you know hopefully in, in the next in the next few years like those you don't see the results of that overnight those things take those things take years and those plans take years to develop within clubs and within a county and hopefully like in, in the next in the next few years whether it takes whether it's three or four or five or even 10 years' time. But you have to put in the base now to reap those rewards down the line. And 
you know, in fairness to Carlo GA, I've said it already. They're doing, they're doing that, and it's, there's fantastic work going on at that level. Yeah, like, uh, like I see it with Carlo GA, and I see people like, um, you know, um, Jim Bulger there, and and people like that, and, and like, they, they they work so hard and they're so passionate about driving Carlo on, and, and even the, I, I've spoken to the development officer there a couple of times. The the PRO, I think it is, you know, and they're and they're so passionate about it. But for me when I look at Carlo, like you're competing with so many sports. Um, like it's unfortunate that Carlo Town with a good population, you know, I know they have a very strong uh, football base there, but with such a population, you know, it really should, like are, are you losing out a little bit to, you know, the rugby side of things, I mean, there's there's a real strong rugby presence in Carlo. Um, there's a really strong soccer presence in Carlo. Like people forget how many sports are being played. Carlo's the second smallest county in Ireland, and you're competing. You know, you're holding your own in about definitely in Gaelic football, definitely in hurling, definitely in rugby, um, in soccer. The club scene in Carlo is as good as anywhere in the country. Um, like, are they cutting the cake a little bit too thin, um, or is it? You know, kids kids will go wherever they. I, I don't know what the right word to say, but the sexy place. I mean, to see Sean O'Brien in Tullow, I guarantee you, I guarantee you every second child in Tullow is playing rugby now because of Sean O'Brien, if you get me. Yeah, I do. Like, and I understand, I understand totally like where you're coming from. Um, and I suppose a, a brilliant example is, I read it, I actually read an article there um, a couple of weeks ago after Limerick won, won the All-Ireland. And I'm not sure, I can't remember the year, but it's, it's definitely 10 years ago or more, it could be 12 or 13 years ago, but they done a, a review within Limerick City and there was, I think there could have been 19 vocational schools. Now, correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm not sure, those numbers might be, mightn't be right. But out of 19 vocational schools, there was only seven of them playing hurling. They were and all heading for rugby. They were, they were all, like there was a massive, massive, like that time you go back to the noughties, like you take it how how dominant Munster rugby was that time, you know, and Tom and Park smack bang in the middle of Limerick City, and um, you know it was such an attraction. And like you said, it was the sexy game that time, um, and but I suppose Limerick that time took it upon themselves to to put in a plan, Limerick GA, um, and put in a plan and put in a developed an academy, um, further further underage hurlers and to get. To get Harlem back prominent within their within their city and within their county, um, you know, and and it's that it took that long now, like it took that long, and I went back that far. You're definitely talking ten plus years ago for for when this happened, and you're just reaping the rewards now. Like look at them, look look at the amount of hurlers they have now. Like they they're turning them in, turning them over like day after day, year after year now. But like if you take if you take Limerick and. And, and and the Limerick and this is what I, I I'm always big on this as well I remember being in Limerick in say 20 2005 2006 down around that time and when you're walking down the street in Limerick there's there's there is kids walking down there throwing rugby balls up in the air and you know they're having that crack and as you rightly point out Tom and Park is smack bang in the middle of the town and everything about it is rugby you look at the pubs like um, the Claw I think Claw he had a bar there at the time Jerry Flannery had it and and these were icons of that area and and this is why Limerick rugby was was so important to them but Limerick took it upon themselves the county board in Limerick to, to push on the, the hurling scene but one of the things they did when they were doing it was the way they looked after the county hurlers and that's 
not just the senior County Hurling team, they did it with the under 14s, the under 16s, the minor, the under 21, that everybody in Limerick all of a sudden wanted to play for the Limerick senior hurling team because it was kind of the dream. Like, I mean, how do Carlo go about going to places like Tullo and and trying to, and I'm not saying to try and turn people off playing rugby for any second, I'm, I'm, I'm all for all sports, but, you know, is it a case of sending lads like yourself down to the schools to do sessions with them, I know they have development officers and, and again, any GA development officer that wants to shoot me next week when I'm walking down the road, the development officers are great, but it's the county players. That's who the kids want to see. They want you coming into their national school, um, hitting balls with them and, and, and promoting the game and also telling them how much joy you're getting out of playing with Carlo. Yeah, like I suppose, um, like that's, like like we said earlier on, um, the development and the GDA officers in Carlo are doing like they are that's what they're they're at that at the minute they've been at that for the last few years now at this stage um, and and it's starting to reap its rewards like you see like Burn Rangers there for example over um, Ballin like a, a very very relatively new um, probably actually the newest um, club set up in Carlo um, you know in terms of hurling and like they're, they're they're making fantastic strides. They're they're starting to make. I can see them on their age. Um, um, they made their first adult senior final this year in the junior. Um, you know, and they're they're fantastic. They're massive stepping stones for them. And yeah, like I suppose the big thing that that Limerick have that Carlo are probably missing, and and are probably going to open up another kind of uh, another kind of uh, monsters now. But is that. The, the the backing that they have from from Mr. McManus that everybody like you know everybody knows that Mr. McManus JP um has you know he's 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 put, he's funding it and putting an awful lot of money in into backing Limerick um and it's great like to have that and that's probably one thing that Carol are missing and you know is is the funding side of it it's not it's not the handiest and but like you have to be able, you have to have you know it's all well and good saying these things and come up with these plans but you have to be able to fund them as well don't you Eddie you, you do 100% um, you know like I always say to anyone that wants to start out with a club or anything like that the best way to start is to have a billionaire backing you um, that's 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 a good a good starting platform um, any club that speak to me about training them I ask them any billionaires in the area but yeah. if, 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 if you look at the GEA funding allocation and this is this is something that you know you'll hear banded around and and to me it's 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 total lies. A lot of it's total crap. They'll tell you it's down to the amount of players in each county is what it's broken down to. It's you know the, the affiliated uh, players. So in a county like Carlow, and this is what it comes back to: is when you have five senior hurling clubs and and thirty players in each, it's one hundred and fifty players. But in Dublin, um, where supposedly you have forty um, adult hurling teams or whatever, and there's twenty in each, Dublin was given from the GEA last year seventeen. Million nine hundred and sixteen thousand four hundred and seventy-seven euro. That's how much was given to Dublin towards development of the GEA in their county. Uh, Seventeen million nine hundred and sixteen thousand four hundred and seventy-seven euro. Brian, how much would you think was given to Carlo? I think I've seen that chart somewhere around eight hundred thousand. Eight hundred and fifty-six thousand. So Dublin got, we'll just say, close on eighteen million, and Carlo got not even. A million, so they were given probably twenty times the amount of money, yeah, into their setup. Dublin at the moment have a senior football team that are as 
I call it as it is. I do it regularly. They're a professional football team. Um, I don't know any of them that are working as bricks, block layers, or um, any <laughs> heavy on the body jobs. I'm sure none of them are sheep farmers or anything like that. So they've as close to a professional football team as you can get. Their ladies' football team are, are the, probably one of the most dominant football teams in the country. Their camogie team is on the up uh, every year. They're getting closer and closer to it. And their hurling team, you know, like last year, the hurling team was very unlucky not to get to, uh, you know, they've won Leinster in the last few years. They were unlucky not to, to, to get to an All-Ireland semi-final you know they knocked out Galway they've like how, how is it fair how is how is that even how, how can anybody in the GEA look somebody in the eye like yourself Brian and say yeah we're, we're, we're genuine about promoting the game in our county now I'm not on about your county board because by God them lads are doing their best but how is that for you as a player when you see a chart like that or hear a report like that like how does that make you feel or what, what's your own thoughts on that yeah, like it's like when you hear the numbers, you know, straight off it's alarm bells, and you're like, how is it possible? Um, and let's say it comes back to players, like, but that that's that's fair enough. That's all well and good. It comes back to the amount of players in each county or each club or whatever, whatever way they're calling to break it down. I'm not sure to be honest. Um, but like, I suppose I have to. There's there's other aspects to take into it as well. Like you know, like ourselves, we're a small county, lo- trying to develop. Um, you know, uh, trying to develop our underage structure and, you know, and by trying to develop our underage structure, we're trying to develop, you know, that's helping our senior structure, our senior teams down the line, both club and county. Um, But like, it's, it is, it's, it's frustrating. It's extremely frustrating, like, because it's, you know, you can see Dublin are really, really um, reaping the the rewards of it. And I suppose the, the most, like, it's great for them. They have such a population and have such a choice of players. And, you know, like everyone says about splitting Dublin football in two or whatever. And if they did, they probably, both teams would probably be in the final, you know, playing one another. But it's, I suppose, from a player's point of view, it's, it, it's hard to pinpoint like it is. It's, it's, it's disappointing because you see the effort that's been put in by the GDAs in Carlo and, like you go to Dublin and every club has their own GDA nearly at this stage. But within Carlo, you have four or five for, and I don't know how many clubs are in Carlo, but do you know, there's at least, there's at least 50 or 60 clubs in Carlo. You know, like, but see, and this is, this is one of the, the, the ones that, that strains me a small bit sometimes when I, when I think about it, like, uh, like, do you think personally, like, and this is what it comes back down to, like you take a Dublin senior hurler, do you think the Dublin senior herders train any harder than the Carlow senior herders? Do you think that they're any more committed than the Carlow senior herders? No, I don't think. Like, I, I don't think. No matter what level you're playing at, I don't think there's any players any more or less committed than any other player in any other county in the country. Or you know, you could add, add London and New York into that as well. You know, I don't think there's any players less any less committed than the next. Um, you know, to be honest, it's probably just like you, like you said, it comes down to what you have at your at your pearl, and you know the access you have towards, um, whether it's gyms or pitches or you know. You See, know, it's, it's 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 because I'm leading you on to this a little bit, Brian. If you take <clears throat> a couple of weeks back, I um, I was lucky enough to be joined by Owen Larkin on 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 the podcast, and and yeah. Lark, Larks was. He was very he was very honest with with um 
uh, everything he, he was saying. Now, obviously, he'll be trying to bury goals left, right and centre past you this year in the championship with his new club and he's excited about the yeah. challenge ahead of him there. Uh, I reminded him that it won't be as easy as he's... He, he, I think in his head he knows it's going to be a very tough year but I, I can't wait to see how he gets on down there and it'll be good fun. But he's very genuine. Yeah. And it was just... I spoke to Owen last week or a couple of weeks ago and I spoke to... I think it was Richie Power last week and it was just an interesting one. Owen won the hurler of the year Um I'm going to say in 2006, um, I could be wrong on that year, but I'm I'm, I'm fairly sure I'm right. But in, he won her earlier. It was either 2006 or 2008. But he just yeah, came... Yeah, I think parts of the four in a row, yeah. Yeah, right. and he just came back off a tour of duty um, to, um, you know, somewhere like the Leb or whatever he was... Leb yeah. Yeah, at Kosovo, I think it was. But he, he, he was after doing a tour of duty out there. So he was based in Kosovo for six months and then came back and, and, and went straight into the Kilkenny Senior Hurling team. I think they were, I think he was home two weeks and he was lining out in the first round of the championship, you know. It was, that's the thing that, you know, and, and, I, and I said it to him, you know, how in the name of God did you manage to come back off six-month tour of duty and, and walk straight back in, not walk straight back into the Kilkenny Senior Hurling team, he worked his ass off and got himself back in. He came back in a serious condition. Um, but he said his only fear coming back was, you know, about getting his eye in, you know, because he had done a little bit of hurling as much as he could, um, I suppose, in that country. But what he said to me was, for six months he was able to train like a professional athlete. His only focus, other than obviously keeping the peace out there um, for the 12 hours or eight hours that he worked, but every other hour, his breakfast was handed to him, his lunch was handed to him and his dinner was handed to him. He had no family, if you know what I mean. It was just work. Yeah, it was him and him only. Him and him only. And all he had to do was focus on his hurling. And he came back and won hurler of the year. And last week when I spoke to Richie, Richie pointed out to me that what he noticed with certain club teams and certain county teams with the COVID crisis teams and players at club level even were allowed to then the guys that work from home or the guys that had it they were able to now train as professional athletes and and, and really push themselves and he said if you take say the Limerick Senior Hurling team it's without question if you look at the All-Ireland Final programme this year and look at the, the Limerick Hurling team and look at the Waterford Hurling team look at the markup of these guys you know it was like if I don't know if you remember the Rocky film when Rocky fought the Russian um, yeah. that's what the Limerick Senior Hurling team <laughs> looked like to me it was like they were created in a lab these guys were all in my opinion professional athletes or as close as you can be to professional athletes and I just I just wonder if the funding was made available to Carlo and you were allowed to commit and train like professional athletes surely you would be far more competitive because I believe Dublin in my opinion and Limerick are able to train like professional athletes. Yeah, look, if you of of course if you're able to like if you can dedicate, you know, if you're given right if I if I was told, for example, in the morning, right, Brian, you've nothing to do, only focus on everything else to be looked after for you. You've nothing to do, only focus on your training and your hurling. You know, if you could spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week, focusing on your hurling, there's no doubt you're going to be a, a better, you know, there's no doubt in it that you should be and you more than likely will be a better athlete and a, you know you'll be able to prepare better um you have to perform better on on the field and you know there's there's no there's definitely no doubt about it that you know if if it was trialed if it was if there was a trial run done imagine like you just think that if there was a trial run done with, with a team to see if there was a difference you know there's no doubt that there would be improvement in it Eddie um and it's you know it's and it's getting to that stage, like I suppose it's 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 an amateur sport with almost a, 
with with a professional aspect to it nowadays, nearly. But like, but it it really is like you think about it. Like you're only twenty seven now, right? Um, and I've spoken to say Eugene Clunan, um, and Eugene is forty one, and 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 one of the things I asked Eugene about was he had to retire at thirty because of injury. Richie Power had to retire at twenty nine because of injury, and and both of them without blaming anyone they didn't say oh I'll tell you it was Johnny that picked me at minor when I was injured he was he was a prick he cost me my career neither of them said that but what both of them alluded to was the fact that they were playing for their county minor teams their club minor teams their county under 21 teams their club senior teams in, in Eugene's case uh, he was playing for his county team his vocational team his club team he was county minor under 21 senior and this was all in the same year he was playing something like five matches a week and he, in that year, he won, I think he won five All-Ireland titles in that year. He won an under-21 All-Ireland. He won a senior All-Ireland with that and Roy. He won a vocational All-Ireland final. He got beaten in an All-Ireland final by, with Galway. And he got beaten in an All-Ireland final with the Galway Miners by Tipperary. And he, at the time, he said, oh, jeez, I was buzzing. It was brilliant. But now, looking back on it, he's thinking, holy divine mother of God, you know, what were, the letting, what were these people thinking? Let me put my body through that. I was too young. I wasn't developed fully. Richie Power played in an Ireland final four weeks after a knee operation. Like he actually had a knee operation at 16 years of age and played in an Ireland final four weeks later. The, the, the business end of the GEA has moved on so much in the last 10 or 12 years. And, and you're saying that it's, it's like a professional organisation. I can tell you, 20 years ago in Carlow, if you crawled in there with a, a broken ankle and you know they were tight for the game, someone had strapped that up good and tight and you stuck in the goal. Like That doesn't happen anymore, I'm sure, does it? No, like I suppose you you hit the nail on the head there, Eddie. Like in the last in the last 10, 12, 15 years, the game like it has cha- it has changed so much in terms of, but the science the science of the game has changed as well. Like that that's that that aspect we say like all these you know new kind of sayings or whatever you want to call them um, are, are have come out now. Player burnout and you know. Um, all all these things have come out now, to where you, you know, and and I suppose the, the GA and fairness have put in structures now where, you know, years ago, like Eugene Clunan, he could have played. He was able to play from minor right up until right up to senior. The minute years ago, I think it was the minute the minute you came out of under sixteen, you could have played. You could play whatever age you wanted. Yeah. Um. And but nowadays you can only play like as and in fairness to the GA, they've stopped that. Um. You know, and 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 they're they're watching like they're they're watching out for the 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 welfare of the players now, um, which is which is vitally important because, you know, like at the end of the day, like when you when when we all retire from hurling, you know, it's not going to make you a living. It it might you know it, it might um be advantage for some people, um in terms of maybe where to go after life in terms of maybe a job or. You know their pro, their hurling profile might might be a, a helping hand, but it definitely won't make them a living. And you have to think of that that aspect as well, like because once you're finished hurling, you know you're almost forgotten about. It's on to the next lad. Once you take off the jersey and hand it to the next man, and you've just gone and you're you're up in the stand then beside anybody else that goes to the matches then, and you're you're almost forgotten about, like you know. And you have to be. You know, person, per, personally, and and at a personal level for every player, they have to be thinking, you know, down the line of their future. And like, are they get if they get injured or have a back problems for the rest of their life, and to have a trade, 
No, that's that's going to that's going to hinder their that's going to hinder their life, you know, and and their and their work life for, you know, for God knows how many years. No, but it's 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 so true what you're saying, and like there was a, there was a, there was a chat I had with a former hurler. I'll, I'll leave him nameless, but a legendary cornerback. Uh, he's retired a long time now, but we were chatting one day at a match, and I said to him, <coughs> he asked me about I can't remember which team was playing. It was a club game, and he said to me, Jesus, they're in. Serious Nick and I said, "Oh, the, the girl there that's looking after their nutrition." I said, "She's quite clever, you know." And uh, he looked at me and he said to me, "What?" And I said, "There's a there's a lady looks after the nutrition for that team. They're all on this specific diet." And I I was kind of taken aback by his shock at me pointing out this nutrition. And I said to him, "Did you not have a diet plan when you were winning all Irelands and whatnot?" And he said to me. Uh, well, there was a few times he said, "If you were tired, you got a can of Luke said on a Mars bar at half time." And I, and I, <laughs> and like this, this guy wasn't playing in the seventies; he was playing in the nineties. And uh, I bursted out laughing. I thought he was joking, but he was deadly serious. But you take you guys right now. Um, you're all as soon as th- everything. If everything, if this was a non-COVID year, and and we were getting ready for the national league, we'd be actually in the national league right now. Like you'd be on a a very specific tailored diet plan. I've no doubt in my mind. Is that the case? Yeah. Well, look, we wouldn't. You know, it's it's not as awfully specific. I suppose you know you you you, you know some players some players would have them. I suppose it depends. Every every player is is different, and every person is different, and. You know, but you would you would have guidelines, yeah, of course. And and you you kind of like, you know, I think there was a time where you play a match for the county and then to be, you know, eleven pints a Heineken and a curry cheese chips that evening, and you wouldn't have to be ready to go back training until Tuesday. Them days are long gone too. Yeah, unfortunately, they are. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're definitely you're definitely right. I was born definitely fifteen years too late. Too late. <laughs> no, no, there was no point in playing if there wasn't. I I, I heard a great story. Of, there was a, there was a guy playing a club game in New York, and he, he this genuinely happened. And they were in the uh, the New York's equivalent to the All Ireland, the All Ireland semi final, and they got the team won and got to the All-Ireland final which was going to be the following week or the week after it was two weeks later and the manager gave a big speech in the dressing room after the match to them all and he was playing for what was called Galway that was the club team and yeah. uh, the manager gave this big impassioned speech and he said to the lads you know we're in this All-Ireland final we said we'd do it no boys no bear 14 days we'll come back here we win this All-Ireland and we'll, we'll, we'll go and celebrate it properly and the best player on the team stood up and grabbed his gear back and he looked the manager square in the eye and he said, that's me finished. He said, you're taking the fun out of winning these games. And he went and stormed out the door and went on the beer, you know. But, you know, they, like them days, they, they, they are behind us because, you know, we're learning so much about our bodies and, 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 and all these different things and the side on, on to them. There was two other questions I just want to kind of put to you. Um, the first one is, is, is from a tactical thing. Um, over the last number of years, we've seen like there was a long time where Hurling was get the ball and smash it as far up the field as you can and you heard the cliche win your own ball and all this stuff but teams have gone very very tactical and for me I think one of the most important positions on the field you'll argue it was probably always one of the most important positions on the field um, but, but for me a goalkeeper is now forming into the position of nearly like a quarterback in American football the importance that's been placed on your own puckouts, um, the stylier puckouts, you know, the short puckout, the long puckout. I, I just want to ask you about that because as a goalkeeper yourself, you know, if you take a short puckout to me as a cornerback and you don't get that right, 
you're going to be absolutely pulling the ball out of the back of the net and there's going to be 17,000 people in Carlo wanting to kill you. Um, how, how have you found that, um, you know, like when you started first in that game in Wicklow when you were standing in the goal, I, I'd be confident to say that if you took a short puck out, the manager would have ran onto the field and hit you with the hurl. <laughs> yeah, I'd say he wouldn't have ran on. He would have taken me off and would have been on the sideline. <laughs> um, but ah, look, it has it. Like the game has 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 changed so much, and uh, you know, um, the tactics, like you said, the tactics and and uh, the, the styles of play um, that every county team has brought, and the different types of play that uh, you know managers bring nowadays. Um, you know, it is it's it's. Uh, the game has has uh, has has changed so much, and it has I don't know uh, what's the word I'm looking for. I can't evolved. Evolved. That is the word. Good man, Eddie. Um, <laughs> like it has, it really has. Like, and it's it's you know it's so it's not that it's so tactical, but it's you know everything is so has to be so crisp now. You know, there's really there's very minimal room for error anymore. Because teams are so tuned in now to what you're doing and there's so much homework. Like the tactics side, the video analysis side of it nowadays is just, you know, it's gone to a different level. And, you know, you're almost looking that forwards will almost realise whatever way you're shaping up as a goalkeeper, they'll almost look at you and say, right, he's going to go short. He's not looking to go long. And they're trying to anticipate this. And it, you know it. It's getting ever harder, but it's it is like you said. It's it is it's extremely important um, position because you do like it. it you're, you have possession of the ball. You're trying to maintain possession. It's nine tenths of the law now in Ireland is is possession. If you have the ball, you know you have ample chance of winning. It's the same as any sport. You know the more the team that has the most possession almost almost wins it. But if if if, if you take a hundred percent, like like I off, I always say to the lads, when we have the ball in the hand, they can't score. So exactly. as long as we have the ball in our hands, they can't score. So one of the things I hate the most is giving away possession, and I also hate fifty fifty balls. If I have the ball and I'm giving it to you, and it's it's a tough pass, it needs to be seventy thirty in your favor, and then if you don't win it. It's your fault, um, you know. If I'm if I'm striking the ball long to a corner forward or whatnot, I need him. I need to be giving my player the advantage. But if I just want you to think about this, like if you take a player's possession in a game, and if you watch, say, the All Ireland final just gone, the cornerbacks for Waterford who would have been picking up the Limerick corner forwards, I will guarantee you that neither cornerback had the ball in their hand more than twelve times in the whole match. If you take you in the goal against. Antrim in your on the tenth of June in, in your Christie Ring Cup final, Antrim scored nineteen scores in that game. So at a minimum, at a minimum, you had nineteen possessions in that game, which would be probably more than any player on the field, other than the opposition goalkeeper and the two free takers on the pitch. Um, yeah, and and it's 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 just my my question is. Do you do you do you do you revel in that pressure? That's and I don't mean to be. I'm not trying to put pressure on you if it's if it's not already there. But number one is do you revel in, in that extra little bit of responsibility? And at the same time, do you feel the game is improving because of the way it's evolving? Is it is it for you yourself personally? Is it is it more fun? Is it is it in your head using your brains more than just strength of driving the ball the length of the field and winning puck follow competitions and whatnot? Yeah, like it is. It's definitely like there's. I suppose it depends on what way. 
your mindset is like I think it's improved I think it's improved immensely um I think you know the the different the, the styles of play and tactics that have that have been brought to the game by managers um some I agree with some I don't agree with of course um you know everybody has their opinions and but you know it, it is pressure but it's it's an enjoyment as well because like you said you have to use your brain and it's up to the it's up to ourselves um as a team and as a goalkeeper like for every goalkeeper individually as well you know they have to be thinking on their toes like and seeing what or what way the teams are setting up the, the opposition is setting up on their pokeouts or the dropping the sweeper can you go long can you go short you know do you have to go to your wing backs is there an is there an opportunity to go to your midfielders um and you just have to be thinking on your toes, but I think that that adds that adds to the game, and you know, albeit it adds pressure, it also adds an, a level of excitement. I definitely think it does. Like, I mean, I think like the best team will generally win the game, and um, that's the way it goes. But sometimes, if you're tactically set up to take on a team, and you're tactically set up to hold them off, and and you have your homework done. Um, you're going into the game at a real advantage and, and I, I actually think hurling in the next four or five years Limerick are dominating at the moment but I can still think of the Galway game against Limerick in the All-Ireland semi-final Limerick won the game because they tactically beat Galway they didn't beat Galway on that pitch I didn't think Limerick were a better team than Galway like Galway lost uh, Big Joe went off injured at one stage in the game uh, there was somebody else went off injured as well like, like oh, yeah like that's two of Galway if, that's probably Galway's two best players going off injured what were they beating by in the end was it a point or two points um, uh, it was a two I think or maybe three yeah so like but with, with, not much with four or five minutes to go Galway brought on a young kid who who, who took over the free taking duties yeah, yeah. And, and like if you look back in the game like they were quite lucky in it Um to win and I think if Galway I think if Galway had been on, on one of their going days Limerick were gone out with a championship and it was going to be Galway and Waterford in the All-Ireland final like and no one will tell me that, that Limerick aren't better than Galway um, it was just on the given day I think Limerick's tactics managed to get them over the line like I mean I don't know how we beat Limerick but if, if I ask you what way the Limerick set up what way do Limerick set up Brian I think you'd be able to tell me straight out like if you were playing in goal for Limerick what's your go-to ball? Oh, uh, as far away from the goal, Aaron Galan as possible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like, but, like, I suppose Limerick, they just, Limerick can mix it so well. You know, they can play different, they can play different styles of hurling, but they play like that middle third, they play very deep and they attack with runners. And it's like, you know? it's nearly impossible to play against that. Like, I mean, when you've wing backs coming flying at you, and these boys, these boys are big men, like, and they're coming at serious pace, short of fouling them, it's very hard to hold them up. And then when you have a half forward line, there's one little lad there, I think he's only six foot two, but the other two are six four and six six. Like, I mean, it must be a goalkeeper's dream to be hanging balls up in the air above them lads. Yeah, like for Nicky Quaid, it is, but like, if you look at, like, you, like, you you look at um, Limerick like they're never there's never a ball coming like they'll you'll never see their half forward line just standing three across the line and Nicky Quaid just launching it down on top of Groot Hegarty and standing there and Groot Hegarty's trying to hold off the man. There's constant movement, there's constant rolls of play, and they have it down to a T. Like that's like that's tactics at another level for a goalkeeper. Like. Um, like I, I remember, I remember when we played Limerick in 2018 after we won the Joe McDonough. 
I actually asked, I, I, I spoke to Nicky Quaid after that and I just asked him, um, you know, what, what, uh, like I says, how do you manage your puck outs? Like I says, they're, they're unbelievable, like the movement. And, you know, he said, that took 18 months, like, and they were still working on it at that time. That's over two years ago now. You know, that's nearly three years ago at this stage. That, that, that you know, and he, that's what, you know, that's, and they were 18 months working on it at that stage. That's, you know, that's what I would say is a huge commitment to uh, a game plan and huge belief in it. Like, I mean, you yeah. you, you, you see it at training. Um, I know if I say to the lads we're going working on puckouts, I hear more tuts and sighs um, from lads because hurlers just want to hurl. They just want to play. Um, whereas yeah. these are probably, and this is why I was kind of getting to it at the start of this point, it's probably the single most important possession in the game in my opinion is your own puck out and defending your opposition puck out yeah well like they're, like you said like you said earlier just at the start of that point again you said like apart from the two free takers the two goalkeepers are probably the ones with the most possessions after that because you know you easily have if there's 20 scores if, if each opposition has 20 scores and they have 10 wides each that's 30 puck outs on either end you know that's 60 balls in the whole game um, which is a phenomenal amount, whether you're defending them or you know you're you're attacking them, you know whether they're using them from your own goalkeeper. But you know, yeah, the game has evolved so much now. Like you have to have options and you have to have a setup and a plan nowadays for puckouts, um, be it against the opposition setting up for their puckouts and for your own puckouts nowadays as well. And just kind of before we finish up today, I just want to ask you, like you've you've had, you've had a long career with Carlo, um, and before I ask you about this year's hopes and, and and ambitions, but you've played against you've played against them with some some wonderful hurlers. If I was to ask you to kind of pick out the players that you've played with, you know that you'd say you know these guys are at, at, at a level as high as anyone in the country, and maybe opposition players that you've played against. If I was to ask you to give me three players that you'd say look you know, that hold it with anyone, whether it's opposition players or, or, or players that have played with you. Is there any players that stood out to you where you were playing yourself in a game and you kind of thought, whoa, Jesus, this guy is 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 on a different level? Uh, three for and three against or three altogether? Whatever you want. Um, I suppose three three players that I've that I've hurled against or hurled with um, that really stand out would be Shane Kavanagh, my own club man, is one. Um uh, fantastic full-back, centre-back, um, probably the best read of a game, best player I've seen to read a game um, ever to play, probably the best full-back I've ever played, in, uh, had, had played in front of me. Um, and uh, other players, I suppose, I, has, I was lucky enough uh, in college with Minute um, that I got to play with Dave McInerney from from, uh, from Clare and, you know, exceptional um athlete and exceptional hurler um, and probably the other one then would be to get to play against or play with was yeah. probably within our own county um, you know um, Marty Kavanagh Mouse yeah you know um, brilliant hurler free taker uh, brilliant from play and you know he has he has everything going for him and you know it's it's not it's not unknown that he would make probably you know he, he's good enough to make nearly any team in the country Without question, no, without question, um, and players that I played against, um, one that stands out, uh, I'll never forget the day we played Limerick in in uh, in 
in Dr. Cullen Park and Aaron Galan, um, probably the best, probably the best forward I've ever ever played against. He's just just He's, exceptional. Just, just exceptional. His movement, his, his pace, his vision, everything is you know. But that whole Limerick team that day were exceptional, but. He just stood out, um, never stopped moving. Um, you know, he's a nightmare for any defence. No, it's it's it, it's fair. It's it's fair to say, you know, and and you do get to see, you get to see it. I think your view of the game is, you know, especially in the goal, you get to see things that that people. I I, I always remember going to watch Donegal playing in the football when Jim McGuinness was playing uh, managing them, and everyone was giving out yards about how disgusting they were to watch. Um, and I went up to watch them in Crow Park and. My head was spinning after about fifteen minutes. I was saying everyone's giving out with these lads, yeah. and he's, there was fifteen lads going everywhere. It was the most frantic. It was no, they weren't going for scores. They were just killing the opposition. But no. the, the movement and everything was measured and calculated. And I, I just I left Crow Park that day. I think I think it was Dublin they played. They got beaten the day, on the day in question. But I think at half time it was like three points to two or something. It was the most atrocious yeah. game of football in the history yeah. of football. But it's just when you have the view of what's happening in front of you, I think you appreciate it more if you can step back and say, Jesus, the movement, the, the work rate, you know, the, the effort and, 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 and the heart that these lads are putting in. Before I finish up with you, you know, it's exciting times for Carlo. We're, we're looking forward to the COVID ban lifting and, and, and getting back out onto the field. For for Tom's first year in charge, you know, what's, what's the realistic goal is the that the supporters and yourselves should be putting on yourselves this year. I mean, what what would be a realistic target for this season? What would be one that you'd happily sit down with in September or October and have a pint and say, that was a good year? Yeah, look, I suppose we haven't got, like, obviously we haven't got a chance to sit down and, um, you know, uh, line out our goals as a team um, for, for a year, but... I suppose the personal one would be, you know, to get back um, to Crow Park with, and and win the Joe McDonough. Um, you know that that would be a, a massive one um, for us. You know, like there's probably two main targets there. We have the Joe McDonough and whether the league goes ahead or not. You know, try and get back straight back up. We came out of Division One last year and to try and get straight back up there. Um, uh, you know, as quick as possible. Um, would be would be two would be two would be the main two goals for for Carla Harlan um, moving forward. No, and I think it's I think they're 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 both very fair and achievable achievable targets for us um for Carlo, I should say, in, in this year's hurling. Brian, I'm gonna leave it there with you for this evening, but I, I just want to say, you know, thanks very much for, for taking the time to have a chat with me um this evening on all things hurling um and for being so honest and open on everything that we've discussed. And from all of us here, you know, I, I really do wish you the very best this year in the championship and I, I do hope that you know I get to be terrified of the whole Carlo Rising uh, thing again by, by you know Covid's frightening me now but Jesus Carlo Rising had me shaking a couple of years ago and I hope that'll be the case by the end of this season as well but but thanks a million for taking time for a chat today Brian Yeah look no problem it was a, it was a pleasure and uh, you know I was delighted to do it and it's a uh uh, it was it's a, it's a great experience thanks very much oh, that's brilliant that is of course Brian Tracy the Carlos Senior Hurling goalkeeper and Neve Owen clubman and we're all going to be looking forward to seeing Brian this year when he gets back out on the field and that's it for this week's Clash Act and I look forward to speaking to you all again next week 